Hello everyone, this is author N.W. Finn. Uh, this is actually posted a little bit later than normal uh, because me and my wife were at the, uh, the beach and we were just taking a little bit of R&R time. But without further ado, I'm going to read page 21 of the Action Born 2. Whenever a good stopping point is, I'll, I'll post in the title exactly how long it's going to be. But Alright, here we go. The splendor of the mountain astounded Salafio. The kingdom below looked like a white blur, barely visible even if he tried to squint or strain his vision. Salafia was the middle brother and tallest of the three. He had been adopted as an infant by Alaneus, the king of Lysfell. His tawny eyes scanned the dense foliage of the forest. His brothers, Jacobin and Cordoc, had traveled ahead of him, but he had detoured to the clearing. He wanted to kick himself for always sightseeing instead of sticking to the path. He shrugged and pushed back his brown hair, which was stuck to his forehead with sweat. He wore leather hunting armor with a blade of steel strapped to his side, and a small bow on his shoulder. Slothfield looked at the great mountain ahead of him and caught a glimpse of platforms made what seemed to be starlight. These platforms wrapped around the top of the plateau of the mountain. The light prison, he thought. The result of a war before his time, the structure still served as a prison for war criminals and the most deranged atrocities of society. Also held unspeakable power and a glow that Slothfield often noticed from his chambers in the castle. Slothfield rubbed the familiar golden claw hanging from his chain around his neck. Being a prince had its privileges, though he felt unworthy of them. Alanius often reassured him otherwise, something he was thankful for. With a huff, he ran towards the forest, trying to catch his brothers. Within moments, he was back in the company with his eldest brother. Sightseeing again, brother, Kordok said, half amused. Kordok was the most agile of the three brothers. His blinding blonde hair matched his bright blue eyes. His jaw was strong and set, and he was considered by most to have a serious aspect to him. But Salafiel knew otherwise. Kordok was strong like Salafiel but humorously, the shortest brother, often a, a big topic of joking between three. A birthright is not measured in two or three inches, was a frequent saying from the heir to the others. Yeah, Slothiel said, elongating the, elongating the word, seeing sights, he said. Kordok flashed a smile. What? Where's Jacobin? Slothiel said as they passed into the shadow of a group of trees. Kordok rolled his eyes. Sightseeing, maybe? Slothiel fake laughed. Funny. He went ahead. So I've been enjoying the sounds of the forest, Kordok continued. Slothiel stood mid stooped misstep and grabbed an object from the ground, which was old and rusted, revealing age. Upon further analysis, he discovered it was the rusted metal head of an era. Perhaps remnants of a battle fought here, he asked. Or something hunting, or someone hunting, Kordok suggested, adding, Be careful not to let that cut you. Slothiel shrugged and tossed the arrowhead into the brush, uninterested. I saw a light prison on the overhang. We're close. The sun had begun to slant through the forest. A reddish glow hue painted the trees, surrounded by splashes of dark purples and blues. It's getting the lake, Salafiel noticed. Kordok nodded. The prison came into view. It stood starkly against the sun, a looming giant overhanging the kingdom, which lay beneath its shadow. Sorry, y'all. We are here finally, Kordok said with a sigh. The keep stood at an enormous height on the mountain face. The glow of the prison made the formidable walls look dull, as though the glowing prison were sucking the life from it. A guard patrolling the walls called down to them. They held up their crests, which glistened with flecks of gold. In response, the door opened with a muffled thud. Side by side, they entered the door, and as quick as it opened, it closed behind them with a loud thump. After passing through a second gate, the brothers could see the path of the prison winding upward on a staircase of old, worn steps. Here we go again. We'll have legs of steel at the end of it, Kordok complained. Salafiel smirked. We should reach the top by the time the sun sets, he said, pointing to the lowering sun. 
No doubt Jacobin is already on the mountain, Kordok said bitterly. Always impatient. You sound like father, Slothfield said. I know that both of you enjoy beating me in a foot race. Well, I'll have my day soon enough, Kordok said as a cold breeze cut through their clothes. Shivering in fear, brother, Slothfield adjusted. The sun began to rise, to sink. The sun began to sink. The sky's wispy clouds reflecting the orange and red of sunset. Father was kind to let us venture from the castle to give us a break from studies, Slothfield said, grateful to be outside. And for such an honor as this, Kordok said, also happy to not be cooped up in the royal dwellings. They reached the top to find their brother Jacobin already there, looking quite pleased with himself. Jacobin had blue eyes and blonde hair identical to Kordok's, but he had a narrow jaw. He was tall with broad shoulders and was stronger than the other both of the brothers. The only similarities shared between Jacobin and Slothfield was their height. Jacobin sat in his crimson tunic, a regal designation he favored. A myth moves faster than you two, he snorted, standing up dramatically as if they had been there for hours. The spot where they had chosen to sit was beside the third gate, which entered the ledge of the prison. This was the only entrance that could be reached on foot, for the prison hung off the side of the mountain. Have you ever thought that the light prison needed more gates? Jacobin quipped. Deimos, the guard of the watch, appeared on the other side of the gate. He was muscular with thick shoulders. His brown hair was tinged with gray. Prince is a Lyfell, he said in a northern accent. He bowed, his eyes remaining downcast until permitted to rise. I requested that more gates be built at the king's convenience, he said, having heard Jacobin's comment. Kordok motioned for him to stand. They must face brightened, and he flashed an overly white set of teeth and opened the gate. Welcome, he said. We are honored by your presence. Pleasure is ours, old friend, Kordok said kindly. Old, Damos said. Well, maybe, he laughed. The four men turned and gazed at the structure before them. The greenish golden glow of the prison encompassed the whole ridge. There were six platforms total. The prisoners were held in orbs on a platform, each of which was large enough to fit multiple inhabitants. Chains of light held the platforms in face on the side of the mountain. It is always an amazing sight to behold, Jackman said. Kordok read, the last remnants of the Great War, he said in all. Slothiel gazed at the dark shadows of the prisoners in the orbs. The shadows moved to and fro, but gradually, Slothiel became aware of the inhabitants turning to watch him, sending a shiver through him. Their features were hidden in the cloak of darkness within the cells. Damus looked at the prison with less awe and more familiarity. He turned and locked the door, the gate behind them. There were two guards assigned to each gate. Night had finally arrived, and now they could see, clearly see constellations rising, shining above the prison. To what do I owe the pleasure of being visited by my princes and my friends, Damos asked. We have something to give you. We thought it would be better to come in person for a degree of recognition, Kordak said. Captain Damos, Kordak said, gesturing Slothfield, who removed a cloth-covered object from his cloak. We are here to present you with this, an honor that is to be cherished since you have been nothing but family to my brothers and me. Father agreed with our decision. He knows you're not a fan of flashy honors, and so he allowed us to be the ones to present this with you with this. He removed the cloth, revealing a dragon-inscribed pearl-handed dagger. The details were masterfully carved, each line delicate, but also stark enough to see the overall design. Alnius, our father, has taken note of who you are, and he wishes for you to serve him directly, second only to the general Zarks of his armies, Kordok continued. Me. Captain Damos reached out with trembling fingers to grasp the hilt. King Alanias blessed me with more than I deserve, he stuttered. It is only fitting that our father wishes you to serve under General Zarch. You are like no one else. You are truly worthy of this, Jackman said. This is only an invitation, but once you accept it, you will be initiated into the king's court, third in command. Selfiel said, smiling. Tears swelled in Damos' eyes. Captain Damos, former captain of the light prison and white dragon of King Alanias, he said in, in awe. Try 
tying the dagger to his side and bowing. The designation of White Dragon was only given to the strongest, most courageous of Life's Vale's men and women. The White Dragon specifically guarded the king. To be leader over them was a high honor. Thank you, my princes. Slothiel hugged him. Your family. To be a White Dragon is the highest honor any could receive from Alias. It is what I have worked for, they must said, wiping his eyes. It's well deserved, Kordog paused, adding, You have shown nothing but respect and honor to our father and to us as well. Namus looked at the dagger with pride. Thank you. The wind began to swirl around them, a sudden gust sending dust and debris whirling in their direction. Attention, men, Namus said, composing himself. Elder Derek is approaching. A gray-brown form began to descend towards the prison. The form was massive, with giant topaz-colored wings. The large mass appeared as living mineral, large and angular, had boulder-sized scales, which glistened as if wet. Its massive yellow eyes glowed eerily in the darkened sky. The men of the prison stood at attention, swords raised. Kordak and his brother smiled. The dragon landed heavily on the platform, folding its membraned wings as the prison shuddered under its weight. The, seek, the sleek and serrated neck turned, and the dragon laughed with a deep rumbling sound. Did not expect to find you here, the dragon thundered, its face aged and wise with a frightening array of teeth that could easily snap a tree like a small twig. It folded its wings and stretched its long claws. claws. We were presenting Damus with a white dagger, or Salafiel said, stepping forward. Father wishes him to be a member of his personal guard. The dragon raised a curious brow and a mirthful look came upon his face. Damus is the most worried of this honor. I am pleased to hear it. The dragon bowed its head and despite its bowing came nowhere close to their eye level. Damus smiled and looked pleased to have received congratulations from a dragon. The dragon looked around, snorting with pleasure at seeing the men in attention. The honor is great, Damus, but your men need not be bothered. I am here simply to check the fortification of the prison. With a burst of light, the massive outline of the dragon began to shrink and finally folded into the familiar shape of an old man. Damus waved the men away and they returned to their duties. Elder Derek, you are a sight to behold. One never truly gets tired of flying, he said, stretching his shoulders. It is good that I found you three, as your father wishes to speak with you. I imagine he has sent word to you of returning the kingdom for his advisements. Jackman rolled his eyes. Father and his advisements, he said sarcastically. Derek narrowed his eyes before turning to the others. He has important words discussed with you. I am sure the content is of a secret nature. Derek turned from the brothers, then placed his hands on the prison walls and closed his eyes, repeating the motion several times as he walked along the platforms. Forgive me if I'm being nosy, Salafiel paused and asked, but what do you do when you do that? Uh, Derek snapped his eyes open after a moment. Your curious nature never bothers me, Salafiel. This may not make sense to you, but I can feel the power of the prison. It's a constant feeling, much like placing your hands into a flowing river. You feel the current and the power of the water pushing downstream. That's how the power of the prison feels to me has never failed but there are recent rumors that make me especially cautious i'm being i am being sure of the prison's security before i will be leaving on an errand soon he walked over to the nearby wall and ran his fingers along it his touch made the prison spark the defenses are sufficient he pronounced derek turned to deimos be ever vigilant my absence will not go unnoticed you should not have to worry though deimos bowed with his fist to his chest replying as always ashen elder it will remain secure. Derek turned back to the three princes. I shall return soon within a day or so. I apologize for my quickness to leave, but there is so much to do. May each of your flames burn bright, and may they warm all who see them. The brothers bowed and returned. As well to you, Salakiel said, echoing the elder sentiment. Good journey to you, Kordok said. They each covered their eyes in preparation for change from man to dragon. Elder Derek raised his vampire covered 
arm in front of him. His body began to emit shards of brilliant colored light. There was a flash of light that would have blinded them temporarily, if not for them being prepared. And the large form of the dragon stood in front of them. With a burst of strength, the dragon's claws sparkled on the light and shot into the air, the prison again seeming to tremble. Slothfield turned and noticed the dark figures in the pods were watching Dirk fly away. I almost forgot, Dirk called down in deep tones. Deimos, I look forward to seeing you in the king's court. May the blessings of Archaeus be upon all of you. Turning, he launched into the denseness of the sky. The remnant wisps of clouds dispersed in the wake of his massive wings. What hung before them was now pure starlight. It was oddly quiet once the dragon was out of sight. Slothfield smiled. Still cannot fathom fathom the dragon nation. I have seen it thousands of times, yet I never grow tired of it. Jacobin and Kordok nod in agreement. They must, we must go to see Father. We will proceed with your recently appointed status soon. But as Elder said, we are needed elsewhere, Kordok said. As you wish, princes, Deimos said, still in awe of the night's events. They were scored out of the hold and the gates locked behind them. The path they had chosen wound through the forest for some time, but eventually the thickness of briars and foliage began to thin, and they traveled with more ease. What do you think Father wants? Slothy asked Kordok as leaves crunched under their feet. Derek is the strongest among us. He possesses great power, even outside of the Dragon Nation. For, so for Father to choose him for a mission is very peculiar. Jackman snorted. He is. He said it was an errand. Besides, why would Father send off our second best warrior? Slothfield looked at Jackman, aware of where he was going with the question, but decided to play along. But brother, whatever do you mean? Kordok asked sarcastically. I am the first, Jackman snickered. Slothfield sighed. Perhaps at double-bladed combat, but against Derek, you might as well be wielding a fish. Kordok smiled, amused at the thought of Jackman attempting to stab someone with a trout. Jackman sidestepped the tree as he appeared to have not been paying attention to his surroundings. To have so much power, he trailed off his thoughts unfinished. The trial bright flame has not been performed since the end of Dothros. However, however cruel a uh, ruler he was, Kordok said, they had begun to approach a large clearing within the forest. Complacent old men, Jacobin said flatly. As for them to choose, not us, though it is not easy to ignore Derek's criticism of their inability to get off their chairs, Kordok said. Sophiel's eyes suddenly flickered a metallic bronze color as he drew upon his magic, his hands encompassing golden orbs of bright light. The sudden burst made Jacobin and Kordok jump. The glow was brilliant against the darkness and gave everything a much richer appearance. Kordok turned to him alarmed. What is it, brother? Kordok said. Sophiel's pupils shine brighter. I don't know. Jacobin paced, keeping, kicking up leaves. Let go of your magic. You're a beacon. Anyone who would want to cause us harm could easily see us, Jacobin said, knowing Salafiel only respond this way when danger was near. Why else travel in the safety of darkness, he questioned. A growl reached them, make all three of them freeze. Leaves moved in the darkness. Jacobin eyed the location the noise came from and slowly began to move his hand toward the sword on his hip. Someone is coming, Salafiel said quietly. Noise continued for a moment, and they stopped altogether, each of them strained to hear. Through the brush came the wide-eyed messenger known as Gareth, who stumbled after a moment to try and balance himself. He looked at them confused. Gareth. Kordok sighed. Slothfield's eyes dimmed, and he lowered his hands. <clears throat> you do realize it's not wise to sneak up on someone, Jackman said. Prince is even worse. Gareth shook his head. Yes, and I do apologize, but I fell over some briar brushes trying to find you. Thus the noise you just heard. Sorry, my lords, but I have come to summon you to the king. We have better. We have heard from Elder Derek. We are on our way there now. Kordok said. Oh, Jareth said. And I suppose I shall head home to confirm you receive. You received the message. He bowed and ran off into the void of the night. That new messenger is strange. Jackman said, his face scrunched up. 
His disregard, disregard, his disregard for royal etiquette is confusing. Kordok agreed. I'm losing my touch. Sophia looked down his hands, embarrassed by his overreaction. It happens, brother, Kordok said, patting Sophia on the shoulder. Excuse me. But you would not let anyone sneak up on us, Kordok reassured. Jockerman snorted. Yes, Jeref sneak up on us, he said, his voice oozing sarcasm. Sophia stared off in the distance, stopping behind the rest of them. What? Jockerman called back, turning his head to look at his brother. I I, I just don't know, Sophia said, his gaze still fixed on the path leading back to the prison. Perhaps you still hear Jeref? Kordok suggested. Slothiel paused. No, it's not that. Something is headed to the prison. Slothiel said with a quizzical look on his face. Probably a change of guard or something, Slothiel. Let's go. Father summoned us, and you know we shouldn't keep a king waiting. Kordok hesitated, or at least I think that's how the saying goes. <clears throat> Jockerman shrugged and turned to continue walking down the mountain. Okay, Slothiel said, abandoning his search and trudging to catch up with his brothers. Do you, do you, you both realize that action has been a few days? Kordok said, hoping to change the subject. Jacobin Beam, yeah, years of preparation and the ten years of waiting, and finally the action has come upon us once again. You remember the last one we had? Kordok asked. Zark's won that one. It feels like a, so long ago. It was, Jacobin said. We were ten years of age then, hardly able to carry a sword. <clears throat> Is Zark's competing this time? Uh, Salafil said, worried look on his face. No, Kordok laughed. Journals do not compete in actions. That would be like putting a tortoise up against a horse in a race. Says you, Jacobin snickered. I fancy myself the horse. Slothiel neighed, mocking Jacobin. Seth, you may be a decently good at swordsmanship, but this is my time, Jacobin said. Jacobin said seriously. Mm, I don't see it that way. Slothiel replied. In the end, Seth's kindness will lose it for him, Kordok said. Seth, Lafiel turned to look at him as they continued walking. You know, Kordok paused. You struggle to kill game while hunting, much less striking out on a point without hesitation. I've seen you let children beat you in spars. Taking life is different. Beating you two would be easy, Slothiel said, fighting laughter. Besides, children aren't used to winning, just like you two. Kordok pushed him before almost nearly running to a tree himself. Whether you've nearly run into trees that do not move, yet you can beat me, Slothiel mockingly challenged. There are more trees than I remember, Kordok coughed, pushing back his hair. Jordok, Jacobin held his ribs, crying from laughter, and nearly slid on the leaves. Laugh while you can. I am more formidable than trees and leaves, as Lothiel said, making his voice as tough as hard and hard as he could. Jockerman gathered his composure, wiping his eyes. Kordok quickened his pace, pretending he hadn't almost run into a tree. He cleared his throat. The wall should be coming into view soon. We better act like princes or else the people will not respect us, Kordok said seriously, though he still had to, could not remove the smile on his face. Normal princes would not be going outside without armed guards, Lothiel said. Kordok shrugged. We're anything but normal next section. Rumors of monsters have reached my ears and continue to spread through all of life's fail. How many have you told Captain Zarks? Questioned the man. The man shook his head. Only you. Who told you this? Zarks asked as he strapped on the sword and opened the large door to the armory. An off of the house of Grumalith. Zarks face darkened. Those of the house should be trusted sparingly. Dillwyn, we cannot afford this information to spread. Please bring me a knock. Tell no one. The last thing we need is people believing these monsters are creeping under their pantries and under their beds. Captain Dillon looked at him perplexed. You do not believe him? Zark shrugged. I am a born skeptic, it seems. Just fetch a knock, and we'll hopefully find no truth to this rumor. Dillon ran away, clumsily dodging attendants and servants at their work. Zark scratched his chin. Twice this rumor had reached me, he thought. He grabbed the golden talon on his neck. This would have cried the strength of the silver talons if the leads were true. Zark grabbed his gleaming silver armor and threw it on. 
tying on the loose-fitting pieces. He twisted the gauntlets on and worked the chainmail around his muscular shoulders, the last to be put on with the sharp layered boots of strong metal. They went on easily enough for Zarks, but often found them uncomfortable. With a clank, he traversed the shining marble floor. The door opened, and armored guards on either side of the door bowed to him. Long hallways decorated with banners of white and gold in different colors of the houses of Lysfell. Other colors signified those colors under the rule of Archiris. <clears throat> Zarks traced his finger on a few of them, stopping at the black and purple emblem. The house of Mavet, he muttered. The scene when he approached the outside was that of men and women performing daily tasks. Some children ran along the stone walls, obviously in some form of game or play. A young boy ran after a little girl who seemed to be in an argument with him over whether to play soldier or housewife. The boy, however, seemed intent on being a dragon and himself a knight. Zark smiled with pride, blinking his eyes at the change of light. General Zark's kin voice, he turned. The princes of life so returned last night and are currently in council with the king. A short, brown-haired servant said, Your presence is also required. Zarks turned and trudged up the stone staircase. The work of a general is never done. I wonder what it would be like not to be needed as much. He shook off the thought, knowing very well he loved the position he held. As he passed, there was the occasional bow, which he curtly acknowledged, but only for a moment, considering his presence was needed by the king. Zarks approached the destination, moved to open the door before the attendant could utter his titles, making the servant gargle his words and finally simply say, General Zarks. He walked into the golden throne room and saw Alanias, dressed in purple guard, wearing not the royal crown, but instead a smaller, simpler crown of silver. Zarks, Alanias motioned him forward to where he sat on the golden throne with three princes standing around him. What is the status of Elder Derek? Kordok asked. Not word, no word has yet on his return. It has only been a day, and I know Derek is accurate in his investigations. I imagine that he will arrive before the small garrison I supplied well, Alanias said. Zarks tapped his foot, his gaze searching as if he had a lot on his mind. I mean to ask to enact the rite of bright flame, Alanis said bluntly. Everyone stopped breathing and looked at Alanis with wide eyes. You mean to ask permission from Elder Derek? Kordok inquired. Yes, he believes that the time for the new Ashenborn is now. For new Ashenborn is now. My king, Zark said, such an act has not been done since the War of Stones. Besides, who knows if the Ashenborn would even do it? Is it that bad? Salafil asked softly. Alanai stood, which would have been a commanding gesture if not for him having to hold the arms of the throne. I believe monsters returned to Lysfell from what information Derek has sent, already sent. He believes strongly that we are, dealing, we are not dealing with hollow stories. We could be dealing with the Tanemian once again. Zarks gave him a disbelieving look. I've heard rumors of there's monsters, even within our very walls, but I do not believe them. Surely there's some misconstrued understanding. <coughs> To claim something such as that would suggest they are back in the world again. I thought them to be gone with the death of Dothros, their master, in this past war. How credible is Derek's claim? Kordok asked. Could it be possible he is wrong? He did not wish to send details as he believes there could be something or someone interfering among the kingdoms and therefore wishes to speak to us in person, Alanis paused. But as you all know, Derek does not play into falsehoods. It is fact if he believes it so. <clears throat> There are two sources that say there are to memes. They are not fairy tales that were told to us when we were children, Jacobin said, disagreeing with Arcs. Yes, they do exist, Alan. I said. I trust Derek, and I do not take his news lightly, especially when he is the one giving it. My king, with the respect of your servant, I would like to see for myself. Rumors have circulated from the south side of the kingdom, along with the word of villages sending similar tales, Zarks responded. Derek has confirmed through magic that the Tanemian are now in this realm, Alan. I said. 
Zarts tilted his chin back and crossed his arms. <clears throat> I understand your skepticism, but this report can be trusted. We must begin to assume that their numbers will grow, Alan I said. Let us hope for your people's sake. It is not, Zark said. <clears throat> I believe Zarek, but if they are here, I would wish to check the villages to the south. Based on the accounts, the southern village would be the most vulnerable to any attacks, Jacobin said, alarmed by the idea of something so sinister being true. Alanias eyed Jacobin with pride, aware that his sons were becoming men. I remember when each of you played soldier, each pretending, even pretending to go on dangerous journeys to the unknown. Those days are long past, I'm afraid. Alanias smiled fondly. I accept your idea of a further investigation. Jacobin, you will check the villages. Zarks, I wish for you to investigate within our walls to be sure there are none among us. Find this proof you were unconvinced of. Alanis turned to Jacobin. I will sign you ten of our silver talons in case the rumors are true. As strong as Lifevale is, <clears throat> Lifevale is, we cannot afford to underestimate this situation. We will provide more with this once Elder Derek has returned. He will give us more clarity as to how to better proceed. What if Slothiel and myself, Cordell asked, would you wish to accompany Zarks and Jacobin? Zarks waved his hand. I will bring my best men with us, but I believe you two would be best served within the kingdom. You both are strong, and we need no weakness inside the city as well. Instead of Zarks going outside the walls, would it not be wiser to send me? Zarks asked. What do you think, Jacobin? Alanias asked. I have no issue with searching the village's father. I believe this is a chance for me to prove my worth, Jacobin said, irritated by Zarks' words. Very well, and it's decided. Oh, and I spoke firmly. Thank you for the compliment, Zarks. Uh, Kordok added, We will make sure our people are taken care of, especially so close to the action. Alanis turned to Slothiel, whose mind seemed to be somewhere else. You have been very quiet, my son, Alanis said to uh, Slothiel, despite all the conversation. Father, may I make a request? You may. What is on your mind? May I go with Elder Derek to check the light prison when he returns? I have inquirers guarding it myself. Darks turned to him, a look of concern on his face. Why the light prison in particular? Jockman squinted his eyes. Slothiel paused, a little unsure of himself. If anything should be concerning, it would be that prison. We all have knowledge who is within its confines. I do not think we should ignore it. The Tanemians serve those who are in prison, so it would be their first ambition. The light prison is well guarded, but to add more guards would be a good idea, as well as looking at the areas that might require better attention there, Zarks said. It is something we discussed with Derek, considering he provides part of the power that upholds it, Kordok said. Zarks nodded. I will speak with him. If his magic can do one thing, is to hold those monstrosities therein. Good, Alanis said to them. I have words to speak with him as well. Zarks' gaze followed Alanis as he walked across the room. You mean the right? Jackman said bluntly. Alanis winked. All the better time to bring up the subject. And you think, Zarks paused and scratches his chin, that Ashenborn will cooperate? Their purpose is to fight the Tanemia and those who threaten the life of all, and I said, or so they say. The others made their respective and proper goodbyes and left to prepare for their upcoming.